Hi, I'm Luke Campbell and I work for a small wine company. He's Luke Morris and... I work for a big wine company. And together we are Luke's Talk Wine. We talk about all things wine and booze and popular culture. Think when to drink, why we drink it, and the culture that surrounds drinking. Hello, Luke. G'day, Campbell. How are you going, mate? Very, very well. And we've got a show locked in for you this afternoon, I tell you. Strap yourself in, listeners, because we have got episode six of season two coming at you. We've got listener <laughs> questions coming out of our left and right ventricles, like Shiraz versus Syrah. Are they the same? I have got a host of questions for you, um, but that one's came in via the email. And the other today's topic is the great wine trivia. What are those quirky facts that people keep bringing to your attention? Or maybe that some of the listeners and some of the peeps out there wouldn't know about wine that uh, you and I come across. So there's a couple of topics for this week coming at you. But as always... We start the show in the same way. Luke Morris, what's been happening in your wine world this week, pal? I was just thinking when you when you said we're coming to you this afternoon and I was like, oh, it is the afternoon we were recording it. But it could be like someone's morning when they're listening to it. So it's like we've got a sexy new time slot for episode six. <laughs> uh, episode one till five hasn't been rating at its normal time slot, but sexy new time slot. We're gonna Coming at you, live and unplugged. Doing the episode with our top buttons undone, just to, and a little bit of a casual wink. Just We're trick be off the eye. Wine through, a, through a straw. <laughs> Are you? Is it? Have I read that that's, that makes you drunk faster, doesn't it? It does. It, it really does, yes. Uh, speaking from experience, it's not alleged. It does actually make you get drunk faster, yeah. Is that Don't ask me you why. Don't... You, you, you're the science. You're the science. I'm just thinking of the oxidisational effect, so that it um, gets into the blood system a bit quicker. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Or it might be just the lack of notice that you're drinking volume because you're drinking faster through a straw. Maybe. Yes. Yes to both of those. Yes and yes. I have to go do a study. That that would have to be a thorough study. I have to get a control straw, and a. Uh, Uncontrolled straw, one of those straw. straws that yeah. straws that swirl around all over the place, a twisty straw, bendy straws. Is there a difference in types of straws? What if I use a funnel? Yeah, you know. get, get one of those really thick plastic straws and uh, and get a bendy straw, and I think you know you'll come to a, you'll have a mean average in the middle. And which can one you wind get bong? It's the biggest. You get a oh vortex. Have you tried the bottle vortex? Oh, no, let's not go down this route. I have tried that as well. Many, many <laughs> moons ago. Yeah. How did it end up for you? Yeah, no, it wasn't pretty because <laughs> Luke, Luke Campbell's not the – he's a fairly big unit for those that have met me in the flesh. And if you haven't, you know, you're probably lucky. Just imagine really, a big unit. Like, you won't be far off. No, that's it. And uh, so, yeah, the, it was around the days of Guna Fortune. So it wasn't yesterday. <laughs> a while back, the old beer vortex. Yeah, just not not, not good. Steer clear of that. Yeah. But if you haven't seen it, people, just YouTube beer vortex. It'll pop up. Yeah, not yeah. not pretty for the big uh, Lukey Campbell in those days. <laughs> yeah, no. We, we live and we learn, mate. For some, for some well, reason, it. people that's... repeatedly do it, though. And, ah. Yeah, I don't... 
I don't know who, 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 I don't know where that came from or where the idea that this is a good idea or I, I, don't, I don't. I don't think anyone know. said it was a good idea. <laughs> Someone <laughs> must have because they keep doing it. Yeah, but people do lots of stuff and know it's not a good idea. How many times have you got home late at night and gone, uh, it's not a good idea to pull a cork on this one, I'm going to. Mm, yep, fair bump, play on. Yeah, yeah, all the time. Sp- Where do we find pulling... you this week, Luce Morris? Where do we I'm find still you? At, I'm still at LA Fringe. Um, yes. sitting. I'm sitting... As as would happen in uh, Adelaide on a church step, so I was just in a in a meeting and uh, came out to somewhere quiet with a little bit of a nook out of the wind. So I'm sitting on yep. the, the city of churches, one of their steps, and um, I was going to I was talking to my friend last night because I went to a show. We took a bottle of uh, what was it? Prancing West End Draft. No, Prancing Horse <laughs> 2016 Pinot from the Mornington. Um, Ooh. And Victoria, represent. Drank it out of uh, some plastic beer cups. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were laughing that you would be livid at that. Just <laughs> I would be livid at that. Enjoying it in a park, watching some circus acts and just having a good time with good wine. And you'd be like, you're not doing it in a stem, la-di-da, Campbell. <laughs> Well, you just then wine ceases to be wine if it's not in a stem. It just becomes a drink, and if it just becomes a oh, drink, if we all just started and it, what drinking, a, what a we drink were... it was, mate! It was a good drink. <laughs> oh my god, we're going down this road. Come check, on, checked out. Kirsty Rebeck's new show. Shot, was it Silver Lining? We sat in a park and watched that, and then drank half the bottle there. Then went off and went to a burlesque show. It's good fun. Just having fun like with fun. wine, Campbell. Yeah. Oh, mate, wine, wine is meant to be fun, but wine is wine. If you put it in a cup, it becomes a drink. And we're not drinking, we're whining. This show's all about wine, not just drinking I, and the culture I, that surrounds drinking. <laughs> you, say in the, you say in the start. <laughs> and I've just said it again. This is, this is what the entire show's about. <laughs> well, now you're all cultured because you're at Adelaide, are you? So you just drinking wine willy-nilly all over the place in parks and churches. You're just drinking wine all over the place. Oh, yeah. We've talked about how drunk priests are if they're wine they have every every mess. Oh, don't get me started. I'm Jesuit educated. There was plenty of wines and there's plenty of Jesuits drinking wine, selling wine, serving wine. Yeah, hey, do they still make that stuff over in – where were they? There, they, there was the yeah, Ignatius. Seven Hills. The yeah. Seven Hills. Yep. Are they still going? Mm, they are still going. Absolutely, mate. Because yeah. they, they were founded to make wine for the um, Jesuits, but they were selling stuff direct to public, weren't they? Mm-hmm. They still do. I'm sure they do. Ah. Absolutely. Some, one of our audiences, or uh, one, one, if we've got one out there listening, he or she yeah. might write in and tell us if they're making wines. But I'm sure yeah. they are. Yeah. Good. Hi, this is Luke Morris from Luke's Talk Wine. I've written some books so visit lukemorrisha.com.au. Go there, see the books, buy one, support the podcast. That's lukemorrisha.com.au, L-U-K-E-M-O-R-R-I-S-H-A.com.au. Have a great day. Oh, 
it's not wine, but it is a drink. Um, yeah. Uh, Cooper's Vintage Beer. Gosh, I forget Ooh. they do that. But every time I come here and there's they have it on tap at the Austral, that's a mm. very tasty beverage. Yes. Big, big, rich beer, but it is a tasty beverage. Oh, man. Yeah. It, it, if, you, if you haven't been standing up after a couple of pints, you won't be standing up too quickly, I'll tell you that. <laughs> and rightio, that's, um, that raises a very good question. Oh, does it? Is What's the segue? It, Go. It does. <laughs> the segue is that into this week's topics is great yeah. wine trivia. You've been drinking beer. I've been drinking plenty of wine. No yeah. one's been whining, but we want to talk today <laughs> about those little quirky facts, the great facts that the peeps might know or that you might know that you might wish to share with us. Um, so what have you got for me, Luke Morris? You've been in this industry a long, long time and you know a few things about wine, one or two things. Have you got any 10... You got any, oh got any one or ten or two that facts that people might not know out there um the one that springs to mind because I, I found that it is something that people didn't know punt so the punt that's in a bottle um that's the and i think i've talked about this on the podcast before you, you're the man of the memory the punt that's in a bottle mm-hmm. so that's the little uh, at the base you have an indent on the bottle and yes the some people think that that's there for uh, storage purposes or for help the sommelier or whoever it is pour the wine or do something like that. And it's none of those things. It's really just a throwback to when they used to blow glass out of a tube. And when you're blowing glass, it's obviously going to blow into a, uh, I was going to say spear, but not um, an oval-shaped spear. And to make that thing stand up, you'd stick one end of the oval shape back inside the piece of glass. It creates a low center of gravity. It produces this indent, which we call the punt. And then you um, have the other end of the oval-shaped spear capped as a pouring vessel. And that's where uh-huh. the punt comes from. Well, there you go. There's, there's, there's now, many, we a, many discussed... a myth and rumor as to why that is there, but that's why. Hey, that is... Very, very good from you. So that's the first cab off the rank about the punt. And I'm learning because I had a totally different story about the punt, thinking it was something to do with storage, nothing to do with glass blowing. But you have just blown that out of the water, pun intended. (laughs) Uh, But I I like that. So I'm going to take that away with me. So it's all about how the actual vessel was made. Yeah, so originally, and obviously it's evolved over time. There's Now people mm. look at it even as a sign of uh, value um, of the quality of the glass that was used, therefore dictates the, the, the size of the punt, therefore dictates the, how expensive the bottle is, which the, the wine inside uh, deserves to be, which is not, you know, it's a misnomer. But anyway, that's what has been one rumour. But yeah, there's um, lots of those little beliefs but really when you go back in time why why was it there is because it also lowers the center of gravity that's why they kept it they didn't try and change it too much it helped when you're pouring the vessel standing on the table doesn't knock over so easily wow okay yeah what about onophobia i do onophobia the fear of wine have you ever heard of that uh i i haven't no um i have had 
that feeling before when I've um, been served cask wine, but um, I... You too have um, played Guna Fortune. I, I, I have. Um, I have never shied away from a fruity elixir, but I have... Um, no, I have actually. Sometimes I've seen something and I said, no, I'm better than that. Like, just to be... Sometimes you got to know your self-worth, Campbell. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, on a, on a, on a phobia is a real thing. It's obviously we don't have it here at, on Luke's Talk Riesling and Luke's Talk Wine, but onophobia is a thing. It's a fear of wine. Onophilia, obviously, is a love of wine, but onophobia, so O-E-N-O-P-H-O-B-I-A, phobia is a real thing, a fear of wine. Um, what would that be, which, what's that yeah. based from? Where, where, where would that fear? Is there any? What, where does that come from? Where does that come from? Well, obviously, you know, maybe the colour red, maybe the colour white. Where does it come from? I, that's a very good question. I, I oh. don't know where it comes from. Okay. How, how does one develop a fear oh, of yeah, wine? How I, would one? I don't know. It's kind of foreign to me. I just thought it a quirky fact because yep. I'd heard of onophilia, but I hadn't heard of onophobia. Um, and so obviously, uh, yeah, and a fear of wine, we don't have it. So I, I don't really know too much about it. Well, there um, is a um, habituation is a process in, in, for the uh, brain. Um, and I know of a story specifically relating to someone being habituated to a, uh, what would be a, not an allergic reaction, a, that's a, a sort of negative reaction because it's not allergies. It's, it's a, a mental process where they can no longer have uh, sparkling wine, champagne, because one time they were enjoying sparkling wine, champagne, whatever it was, alongside some shellfish. Mm-hmm. The shellfish was off, and so that produced uh, a sickness. What's it, what do you call it? Food poisoning. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, their brain associates not just all shellfish, to no, don't want to touch it, but also bubbles, sparkling drinks, Ooh. not all sparkling drinks, specifically wines. So as the brain's wow. taught itself to avoid it. Hey, there's a little known fact. Yeah, that can happen. You can untrain the brain to, to do things, but it's it's not as easy as it is to immediately go, well, that was painful. Let's never do that again. <laughs> well, on that drink drinking to one's health i'm a big one you know i'm you know cheers to good health and drinking to one's health well that when we were studying we we learned uh, that when we were studying it's actually a, a greek tradition but the idea was that the host did the toast did the cheers and he actually drank oh. the first cup of wine to yep. show his guests that he wasn't poisoning them so you're talking about food poisoning that that's what the host used to do in ancient Greece. He's to toast. He's to drink the first glass of wine to ensure that his guests who were greeting him at the table weren't getting poisoned. And so Did that's you, why you drink to one's health because it actually is your health rather than the person you're sitting with. Do you know further on to that? What is that process of cheers and clinking glasses? They were supposed to hit their cups so hard that uh, the wine or beverage inside would spill over into the other glass as well. So you'd get a Mm. mixture of all people's cups and therefore ensure that you're drinking the same thing that they're drinking um, and so that there would be, you know, that extra trust that 
Yes. It's going to be healthy. It it's wouldn't be tainted or wouldn't it's be tainted. tainted. Poisonous. Good word. Tainted. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Tainted. It's a good wine word. Because we're about it's not wine. a great wine word, really. If you, if it's if it's, no, it wasn't if you, really. If yeah, you're making no, tasting notes and you write down tainted. tainted. <laughs> Fair bump play on. <laughs> what else you got for me? Not not all wines are vegan. Most people would probably know that um, I had vegan written down because it's pretty popular. You know, do you sell vegan wines? Do you have any vegan wines? Some go through a filtration process, which use... Um, Uses like animal byproducts like fish oil or nuts or um, well nuts aren't um, animals but gelatin and things like that. Animal I, mean, what can, I don't know what animals nuts you're using, but I haven't <laughs> no. heard that one before. <laughs> yes, fair bump. It's uh, no, we're not using animal nuts at all. Um, <laughs> so, so not all wines are vegan, um, which is yeah, it's a question that comes across my desk looking for vegan wines. What wines are vegan? And what aren't, um, yeah, but, you know, obviously you can use eggs, you can use a fish oil, there's a uh, commercial grade, several food byproducts, animal byproducts that are used. Yeah. Um, They're bonding, to prevent bonding compounds, essentially. Effectively. Just to effectively, drag yeah. down any sort of uh, sediments and take cleanse the wine so you're drinking something that's nice and clean. That's yeah, what they so use. A couple, couple of weird, crazy facts. The other one is... How many grapes make a bottle of wine? Fifteen. Would you like to have a, would you like to have a guess? Fifteen. On average, on average, two hundred grapes will make. Ah, it's a fifteen bunches. Maybe that's It's about a kilogram. It's about a kilogram, which is um, to to make one bottle, a seven fifty bottle of wine. Um, which is a cute little fact as well. One to uh, amaze your friends with at dinner parties. <laughs> I have actually went with picked buckets of table How many friends are you going to have if you're walking oh. around? You don't drop me to tell you how many grapes went into that glass. It's like, get away from me, Steve. <laughs> well, it's a pretty cool fact, I reckon. <laughs> That's fine, no. We do travel around in different circles sometimes, so okay, that's fine. We do. I'll let you go. We do. Um, what else you got for me? Otherwise, we can go into our listener question from Charles, um, oh, which would be a I've great got... segue. Have you got? Yeah, what do you got for me? Lay it no, on. I was gonna say, I've, on. I've got, I've got time, but no, if you, if you, if you want to move on, we can. I'm just shooting. No, the what else now. you got for me? Have you got any? You got any oh, other no. crazy facts up your sleeve? Probably the most interesting thing I said, I had a customer ask me a lot of questions. Well, I say a lot. There were a lot of questions. It's fine. I was happy to answer all of them. Um, but one of the ones that I, I used a really cool term in answering, he, he asked about how uh, he finds it, he doesn't get all the tasting notes when people have like all these words that they taste and he's tasting the wine when he sees a review. So he tastes the same wine and he doesn't get the, he said, why can't I taste the same things? And I oh, yeah. used an example of um, uh, neuroplasticity uh, because Ooh. his so somebody who is a professional wine reviewer might be akin to somebody who is a marathon runner. If you just not everybody can run around, not everybody is able to run around the block of on their street, let alone run a marathon. People who run marathons are well trained, they've practiced, they've been doing it for years. 
and they're quite developed with those skills. The average punter isn't that great, so they might just be able to run around the block if that. But the more you train your brain to identify flavours, maybe by taking, specifically I encourage people to take notes and write down what kind of flavours they get, maybe get a tasting reel so they get an idea of what flavours might be in a Shiraz and therefore um, what flavours they could look for. Not every Shiraz has everything in it, but um, what sort of words they might look for. And therefore, the more you stretch the brain, the more you develop those brain muscles, the more you um, uh, teach the brain how to look and, and, and make those connections between words and, and senses and um, in the nose and on the palate, the more you'll develop the ability, like being able to stretch yourself from running around a block to eventually running a marathon. Wow, that is so sensible and so articulate, Luke Morris, for this time of day. Thanks, man. And what was the... I haven't even had a no. Cooper's Vintage yet. That's, in, that's happened no. less than 30 minutes, I reckon. Oh, strap yourself in. So, and what, what sort of response did you get from that from your customer? Was he appreciative wow. of neuroplasticity? <laughs> he used it. He, he, he didn't. He didn't pull me back up on uh, neuroplasticity. Plasticity. He just went back into a, <laughs> a another question. But he was. He, he did. I did ask at the end of it. Does that make sense? Because I was using a couple of different terms. Big words. He said, yeah, yeah. And he's no, no. Well, big words, but also analogies. I sometimes find if I use an analogy, people think. That has nothing to do with what I was asking. It's like, oh, it's you know, but no, he was he was cool. He was like, oh yeah, no, that that makes sense. Yeah. Wow. Well, that makes perfect sense to me, and I hope the listeners uh, really understand that analogy because it was perfect. If you want to know more about Luke and his analogies, you can find him <laughs> on the big World Wide Web and Instagram at Luke Morris. Ha! Look him up. He's got plenty of morsels to come. Morsels. Oh, there's a word. Oh, love it. Gee, hey, be, what's Australia's most that on planted a tasting note? Yeah. Morsel. Absolutely. Yeah, this what is, is what is Australia's most planted grape variety? Um, at one stage, I think it was only Blanc. Uh, because uh, it was made today. a whole We're lot of wine. Uh, I don't know, Luke Campbell. What what is? It, no, hang on. Let's just go back. Let's just go back there. What did it do? What did Ernie Blanc do? Ernie Blanc was used in bulk wine production. You know, dry wine. Oh, you said you said bulk wine. I thought you said. <laughs> Listeners, oh, please excuse me. I thought Luke Morris said it made a whole lot of bog wine, meaning bog standard. Um, you know, oh, yeah. crap. Well, it does that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> which I thought, gee, that's a bit harsh. For, you know, that's a bit harsh for today. Do, do you reckon? Um... How, how often do you get yourself into some only blonde Campbell? <laughs> well, I must admit, not as much as I used to. I've kind of gone off it. <laughs> but, you know, oh, bring like, it we back, don't rock, baby. We don't... We're talking about alternative varietals. Where's Uni Blanc been all your life? <laughs> Uni Blanc slash Columbard. We need more Columbard and Uni Blanc in our lives, people. Unbelievable. Yeah, no, I've, I've moved on. I don't know why I've moved on, um, but you're right. Maybe I need to revisit it. Seeing it's not bog wine, I need to, uh, need to go back and <laughs> revisit Australia's plantings yeah. of Uni Blanc. No, but you, you're quite right. That's in the past. We're in the future. Shiraz is actually uh, 
is the most planted grape variety here in Australia. You might be listening from overseas in Finland and New Zealand or Tasmania even. In Australia, it is Shiraz, which brings me to Charles's listener question from the email. If people want to email us, how can they do that, Luke Morris? Uh, you'd have to buy a computer to start off with. Maybe you can go to the, lo- to the local library. Join your local library. There's some great community events at your local library usually. Uh, and ask one of the gentle people there, how can I email Luke's Talk Wine? And invariably they'll say, oh, I know exactly how to do that because all librarians love listening to our podcast. And they'll say, yep. you go onto this um, thingy here, they'll... they'll They'll fill in, fill in the blanks, depending. W-W-W. Uh, type in um, the address lukestalkwine at gmail.com. And those questions pop up with somewhat regularity for us. And this week's question is, are Shiraz and Syrah grapes the same? Luke Morris, Ooh. over you. You've rephrased this because earlier in the podcast you said, are Shiraz and Shirad the same? And I was going to answer, no, they're not the same. But the grapes are the same. Well, you're right. The the question as it reads, you're quite right, are Shiraz and Shirad the same? Let me rephrase that question. Are Shiraz and Shirad the same? No, I don't think they are. I think... uh, Hmm. I think the, the I know for a fact that the grape varietal is the same, but mm-hmm. the it's effectively a representation of style. Uh, that's the way I have always looked to interpret that. Soir being the French word, uh, usually a cooler climate, usually uh, more reflective of an old world style wine, and Shiraz being oh, where's the is, is Shiraz? Originally Australian? Where did, where did, where's the first recording of Shiraz on a label come from? But anyway, Shiraz is, is historical, is, is considered New World style. And a warm climate is um, another way of saying that. Absolutely, yeah. You absolutely articulated that beautifully. Shiraz is the famous black skin grape with high pigmentation, known for its kind of you know fresh and heavy berry tones and classic meaty notes. Um, it's grown widely throughout Australia and we often, in the warmer climate, label it Shiraz. We're the only country, as far as I know, in the world to produce Shiraz. It is, in fact, the same grape variety. Don't the um, South Africans do the South Africans? I've never, not... I've never seen a South African Shiraz. I have ah. seen plenty of South African Syrah. I could be wrong there, but uh, as far as I'm aware, I'm, I'm love to be corrected on that. Um, if anybody wants no, to correct me, I, um, I, 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 and, and 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 that sort of makes more sense. So Australia is the only country in the world that really bothers using the word Shiraz. Yep, and I mean even now, I think people are going away from it. You know, like um, and and labeling. I know I know a lot of producers in the Yarra, for instance, they're using the word Syrah. Um, you know, a lot of uh, guys down in Mornington basically use. Syrah. Both of those are um, cool climate regions. Very true. Very true. Yeah. Do, why do they you are think exactly... they are they using the word Syrah for any? Do you think it's a stylistic thing, or is there another reason they're using the term? 
I like to believe it's stylistically, but then, you know, we've got the whole Pinot Gris, Pinot Grigio debate, which, oh. you know, we're not going to, we're not going to start that up again, but um, people just willy nearly banding their, ta- their terms around, whether it's a French or Italian term, just for the likes of it, what they want to see on the label, or they think's in trend that week. Uh, but I think the commitment... Just, Why yeah. the northeastern Victorians don't call Giraffe Petite Syrah, I will never know. They would have, they would have cornered the market on Petite Syrah. I'll give you the tip. Um, well, Giraffe is the actual correct word, and it's really offensive that the Americans changed it. I've done a show on this. <laughs> Come see yes. Wine Science Show uh, Second Vintage. It's France, France. Oh, they're like, get my back up about it, mate. <laughs> Oh, but no. The very person who invented the Great Varietal, his name's uh, Fra- uh, Francis Drift, is being blocked out of Giraffe. history. Because, uh, Thanks to the University of Davis in California. What? Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't it the guys at um, the Californian University who decided to change it to um, Petit oh. Uh It was in California. I, I hadn't identified specifically who. I just saw it. I saw it pop you up. just wiped that from your memory bank because you're so obsessed oh, about Captain Morgan Giraffe. Who's Captain Morgan? What's what's, what's, the, what's the reference there? That's a that's a rum, no, isn't it? No, what's his what's his name? What's his name? Um, Francis Morgan Giraffe. Is that right? Oh, do you know his middle name? Yeah, what's his name? Francis Morgan Giraffe. Morgan Captain isn't very short. French. No, no, it's Giraffe. <laughs> Giraffe is French. That's from Giraffe. Yeah, Giraffe is French, but nowadays it's Australian. It's Australian as a cattle prod, right? So, but obviously, same like Shiraz. Shiraz, Shiraz, it originated in France. The Shiraz grapes we grow here were actually originally from France. A lot of people will tell you they came from Persia and blah, blah, blah. That's all bollocks. They actually came. The rootstock is actually French. The Giraffe rootstock is French. Is it a coincidence that there's a town of Shiraz in around or was it did someone just mistake no no i think something did come from there originally i think something did come from there like you know way back when um that the actual clonal material but the clonal material we have was in fact french oh yeah absolutely yeah yeah. i think it's it was busby wasn't it james busby it was absolutely cuttings Yes, and what, one of the myths going around is that he actually incorrectly spelt uh, Syrah Shiraz and his botanical notes uh, when they were going out looking for places to plant before they found the hunter, actually. That's one of the myths. There are many myths. Um, it's one that I was taught, um, which, you know, I like to hang on to, but uh, there is some gotta, great wines. Gotta hang on to those myths, you know. Oh, a lot of people's them. belief systems are based on myths. <laughs> Yes, well, we so won't go down that rabbit the, hole. Where does the word Shiraz come from? Do you know? Shiraz or Shiraz. Well, I'm only, it's after the place where it originally came from. Shiraz, the ancient city of Persia. Ah. Yeah. So Shiraz is the city so in Persia, in Iran. Yep. Mm. So they're both named after that. There's just different spellings of. Yep. Oh. That makes mm. sense. I can go with that. The classic notes for Syrah or 
Shiraz, you mentioned what they are for Syrah in the cooler climate. What would you say they are for the Shiraz in the in the warmer climate? A lot of us have had experience with Barossa Shiraz. What would you say those classic varietals are? Oh, so cooler climate Shiraz, you, you're usually seeing those yeah, meaty, peppery, spicy kind of characters. Um, and for a warmer climate Shiraz, you're usually talking about, or sometimes, say, Plum fruit, lots of berries, um, blackberry. What else? Oh. St- strangely, I'm immediately thinking, what else do I get out of the McLaren Vale and Brossa? And you must start thinking, oh, well, a bit of oak <laughs> as well. Oak, licorice, come through. spice. Yep, licorice is a good those. one. Yep, yep. Excellent. Well, that is today's listeners' question. I, I hope we've kind of uh, crossed that box for you guys uh and thanks for the question charles um it, it is a topic of conversation which we could go on for hours talking about shiraz and the great regions of the world where you find it it's homeland obviously uh Syrah is in the rhone valley in france in the north of the rhone it is generally a single varietal unless it's been blended with bionia to make those famous shiraz bionia blends of the goat roti or in the southern end of the Rhone, it's usually blended to make blends like Gicondas or Chardonnay de Bat or Vacaras. Even in in Tavelle, they just make rosé from it. Um, but it is labelled as Syrah. And, you know, for those playing along at home, uh, you will know I'm from the Hunter. I love drinking Hunter Shiraz, but, you know, I've been known to slurp a fair amount of Heathcote. I love the Shirazes out of High Eden in the Barossa. I love McLaren Vale Shiraz. There's even some pretty tasty Shiraz coming out of Tassie at the moment, um, and it's really cool climate. But Luke, what what about yourself? I know you've got a bit of a penchant for Shiraz. Oh, Bendigo like Shiraz all the way, mate. Yeah, you know, that's a, Ooh, that's yes. where the best yeah. fruit comes Central from Victoria. in Australia. Oh no, um, yeah, yeah. good stuff in nah, good stuff in the Pyrenees. I'll, I'll throw that mm-hmm. in the in the mix. There's plenty of good. Um, I like that because in that regional Victoria area, you're getting some good. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? The eucalypt, a little bit touch eucalypt. of eucalypt character coming through. Yum yum. Uh, not too much. You don't want it to taste like a koala sweating, but a um, touch of eucalypt. That's okay. Um, <laughs> How much do koalas sweat, by the way? <laughs> koalas, koala sweat jocks. I don't know. I imagine they sweat a little bit. They're. They're a bit covered in flu when they live in Australia. I mean, they can't be dry, can they? <laughs> no, they <It's>... cannot. <laughs> no. I imagine, you know. Uh, where else we don't want your wine tasting there's, like there's... a sweat. <laughs> Margaret River? <laughs> Margaret River, perfect example. Some great Shiraz, Shiraz coming out of Margaret River. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm thinking of the old Marshall and Birch and um, uh, Howard Park. Howard Park Ooh, has yes. crackers yeah. all um was it the leston and the scott stock scott sale those are good wines yes single vineyard wa shiraz yeah the scott sale in particular what a wonderful wine absolutely um okay moving moving right along uh for for those who want to find me in the world wide web actually my name is luke campbell and you can find me at vinified underscore wine underscore services on instagram but whilst we've been chatting and as we uh, draw to the other end of this podcast, which started in one place and is going to finish in another, what Oh, man, has this has been the most been random. Thinking? This has been the most 
uncontrolled episode we've ever done. I still don't know it's what we talked about keep... with the giraffe the giraffes topic, but we were both angry at the time at the time. I just knew you'd fire up once I met Petite I knew you'd fire up. Uh long standing joke. Love it. That I threw out threw out the hook and you bought it line and sinker, which is lovely, Luke. It's um it's what we, what makes us great friends and old mates, which is excellent. <laughs> but you mentioned you mentioned prancing horse, Pinot Noir, you mentioned to one another. It's a great sign of friendship. <laughs> Um, you mentioned vintage Coopers off the tap. Um, so you mentioned a few things you've been drinking there. So this week has uh, been filled with um, imbibing tools, fluids. What's the word I'm talking for? Drinks. <laughs> what have you been drinking this week? Let me rephrase that. You know, you've made me want to change. You made me want to throw something else on, on the um, list there. G&T. I had a G&T a Ooh. few nights ago. Gin and tonic yep. for those who, um, mm. you know, playing along. Like I was going to say, Scrabble. You want the whole word? I didn't really love it. I'm gin tea is a very hit and missy drink for me. Mm-hmm. But I oh know that's got that's that's nothing to do with wine. I uh, had some Grenache the other night. That was pretty good. Well, Grenache, Grenache is back. It's really having a time in the sun, isn't it, Grenache? Oh, what did someone call it? The um, Shraz Drinkers Pinot. It's it's not it's not really soft, but it's not as heavy as Shiraz. So if you feel like something just a little bit off centre, get in some Grenache, and why not? There's plenty of good Grenache out there, particularly sure, in South Australia. Particularly in South Australia, I'm sure Grenache would love that on a t-shirt. Hi, Grenache, the Shiraz lovers Pinot. I don't yeah. think so. Who's calling it? This? Who's calling that? it the Shiraz lover's Pinot? Who's calling it? I don't <laughs> wouldn't know. You just drink, it? If, if you were a Shiraz lover, you wouldn't drink Pinot. So that's kind of ironic, isn't it? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but if you get sick of Shiraz, heaven yeah. forbid, you know, maybe heaven forbid. have a have a long, hard look in the mirror and then go grab a bottle of Grenache. Grenache. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I can still Makes drink sense. things from uh, the Barossa Valley. I don't have to grab any uh, wines from Adelaide Hills <laughs> elsewhere. <laughs> oh, them's fighting words. Uh, if you've got some Grenache, you can, you can have some fun. Get into it. Try it. Live a little. Absolutely. Well, on that note, we could sit here drinking? talking random things all afternoon, but what have I been drinking? I also had a, randomly, I had a gin and tonic as well recently, speaking about that, but that just gets my back up because I love a gin and tonic and I love a dry gin. I don't want all these fancy dangled pepperberries <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> squeak. I just want a dry gin. And so this episode, happened. So I said, was that episode one of Luke's Talk Wine? <laughs> I said, what's been happening in your wine world? And you went, gin. <laughs> and I was like, That's it. Ah, have you read the title of this show? <laughs> Don't get me started because the same thing. Can I please have a gin and tonic? What sort of a gin and tonic would you like? A dry one. Oh, well, we've got blah, 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 blah. We've got such and such pink. We've got such and such orange. No, 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 no. Rewind. I just want a London dry gin and tonic. Oh, my God. So we had this, nearly had a stand-up argument. I just wanted a gin and tonic. Did I get one? Yes, I did. And I got one. It was, uh, yeah, it was from a Yarra Valley producer. It was just delicious. 
unbelievable, but just quite refreshing. And then I moved straight on into Chardonnay because uh, I'm still on the Chardonnay train. I just can't get off it. It's um, yeah. I had a ten-year-old Australian Chardonnay, and it oh, really wow. made me think how good it? Australian Chardonnay is. Who, who, who made it? Who, who made that? Who, what was that? It was a single vineyard Yabby Lake Chardonnay oh. from 2010. It was absolutely divine. It was still as the fresh as the day it was made. We screw were cap? under screw cap, and we were pontif- out of a out of a stem. Um, not, not just out of the out of the bottle. <laughs> Cork talk. And we were pontificating about who would have made it. You might know. Would that have been Todd Dexter or Tom Carson who made that wine? We were trying to work it out just from our memory banks. I think Carson by that by twenty ten. Yeah, twenty ten maybe. Mm, it was, was delicious De- De- anyway. De- so Dexter was there. Like was was it established around two thousand and four? Yeah, in the early uh, days. Yeah. And I think he only, I think he was only there for like a, um, not that many years. Like it was, it was a good yep. time. It wasn't a long time. Mm, yeah, right. Fair enough. Well, so. this wine was exactly that too. Like, yeah, you wish you had a dozen of these tucked away in the cellar. It was a very <laughs> special wine, and it just looked, as I said, as fresh as the day it was made. Uh, under screw cap, still had a fine kind of almost iridescent. Uh, yellow color like it wasn't green and lean and it wasn't that fat yellowy merceau cakey color it was just delicious right in the middle but um just 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 demonstrating how good australian chardonnay can be when it is great you know and there's that's a great chardonnay producer so i'm still on the train i haven't got off yet it feels like it's becoming chardonnay month for me but i'm okay with that it sounds like it's becoming chardonnay year for you apart from the odd pet nat that's all you're drinking <laughs> Well, it is at the moment. It is uh, Chardonnay, but you know we're, we're in that autumnal weather, so you know Chardonnay. Any day Chardonnay day for me, I think. Oh, that sounds alright. Mm. I'm going to go get a beer, I reckon. All right, mate. Well, you get you take it or leave it. We'll be back next week, and we'll be back badder and bigger than ever. But uh, I've been Luke Campbell. He's been Luke Morris. And in the words Hi. of Tony Barber, keep smiling and bye for now. Ciao, ciao. Vinify are the wine cellars specialists. We're Australia's only personal sommelier service. Our sommeliers work with you to build your cellar. Our aim is to bring you the wines from the freshest new producers, all based on your tastes. We can come to you, source your wines, present tastings. Think of Vinify as your wine concierge. We can do retail, we can do tastings, we can host your dinner parties, or we can procure you that rare wine. Vinified is proud to be associated with Luke's Talk Wine. www.vinified.com.au